Hi, and welcome to That's Myrony Podcast. My name's Alicia Myronic, and I am your host and creator of this fun new concept. But first, what exactly is Myrony? Well, Myrony, or my irony, are those crazy coincidences that happen in life that you just can't explain. It's also another word for sign or synchronicity. We've all experienced these throughout our lives. But what if you started paying closer attention to your myronies? What if you started connecting the dots, or as I like to say, follow the spiritual breadcrumbs that could have an impact so big that it changes your life forever, not to mention the lives of others. Now that's myrony. everyone, welcome back to That's My Irony Podcast. I love when I don't know much about my guests. And I actually just had a brief chat uh, with Tammy Ward earlier this week. And after hearing just a little bit, I was like, oh my goodness, would you be on my podcast? So I'm hearing her story for the first time like you. But first, a little bit about Tammy. Tammy Ward has been a police officer for 25 years, achieving the rank of sergeant. She has worked in a variety of roles specializing in domestic violence and community relations. She has been involved in dance and fitness since the age of three, giving up teaching dance to become a police officer. Currently, Tammy owns TLW Yoga Studio, returning to her true passion for movement and expression. She has seen and experienced the good and bad sides of policing and being a woman in a traditionally male-dominated role. Following a tragic event at work and the deaths of fellow officers, she took time to heal and created a safe space. This space became a yoga studio that opened in January 2016, with Tammy offering one class a week and has grown to eight classes a week and leading yoga and wellness retreats around the world. In February 2020, Tammy retired from policing and is focusing on the next chapter. This still includes helping others. Now she is enjoying the life of being a yogi and motivational speaker, sharing yoga, wellness, and her story. She says it has been a long and sometimes difficult path to where she is, and she is not done yet. So let's go meet Tammy and hear how she went from being a dancer to a police officer to now a yogi. I'm so excited to hear her ironic stories. So let's go meet Tammy Ward. Hi, Tammy. Thank you so much for joining me on That's Myrony today. I am so excited because I honestly know so little about you. And uh, I just want to say it was really funny. I kept seeing you because we have a lot of mutual friends. And I was like, I need to connect with her. I need to connect with her. And then we finally connected. And I was like, oh, my goodness, you need to be on the podcast. So welcome. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, I always like to let the listeners know, first off, where are, where do you live? In Fredericton, New Brunswick, up in Canada. Okay. And that for, for us in the U.S. that are not quite sure where that might be, what part of Canada, what, where would that, where would that be near? <laughs> I'm about an hour from the state of Maine. Okay. Okay. Well, right Maine? on the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah. So. It must be so beautiful. Yeah. Oh, it well, is. Oh, well, that's wonderful. Well, um, I, I was, I read your bio already and I know we're going to dive in much deeper. Like how did you become a police officer, you know, to now be this yogi and motivational speaker, 
But I know when we first were talking, you said you actually started off first in dance. So what was your, what was your background dance? I think you told me quickly you were a ballet dancer. And then I was like, oh, no, no, don't tell me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I danced from the age of three until I was 26. I was in a theater company. Um, I was in a dance company while I was in high school, a theater company in university. And I actually paid my way through university performing, um, teaching. Primarily, I taught uh, classical ballet and jazz my way through university. And then I had finished university. I moved to Australia for just over a year. I came back home. I was started teaching again. I was working in counseling, which was what my degree in psychology was, and going back to university to start my master's program. And then the at the time, my boyfriend and his friends were all talking about, you know, writing the exams to get into policing and how hard it was and how nobody ever, you know, passes the first time, etc. And so I said, Oh, I should write it. And they just looked at me and they were like, you're too tiny. You'd never get in. And the one thing about me is I'm really, really stubborn. And if you tell me I can't, I'll show you I can. So that's how I became a police officer. Yeah, it was never, it was never on my bucket list. I, you know, a lot of people, a lot of the police officers I worked with had always wanted to be one since they were a kid. Um, Not me. (laughs) It was just kind of happened. Yeah, you became I, a I police officer. Test. You became a police officer because someone told you that you couldn't. So you did. And then you were a police officer for how many years? Almost 24. Wow. Yeah. Who would have thought? And even when I was going through the process, like my boyfriend at the time, obviously, uh, he didn't pass. And <laughs> as we went through the process, out of the six of us, I was the only one that passed everything and went to training. And even when I was going, I was thinking, I don't know if I want to do this, but oh, what the hell? It's not going to look bad on my resume was kind of what I was thinking. And then as I was going through training, I really fell in love with law. And at one point during training, I was thinking, maybe I should go back to law school because, you know, I'm really enjoying it. And I had a 98 point. Well, I finished with a 98.2 average. Wow. And uh, yeah, in law and Then I did some on the job and it was just like, I love this. I love the adrenaline. I love that no two days are the same. I love, um, I will, I do well with people. I love people. Mm -hmm. Um, so I found even though I wasn't big, um, that wasn't an issue. It was the, my ability to speak to people served me extremely well, my entire career. And, Unlike a lot of police officers, I can literally count on one hand the number of physical altercations I've actually gotten into because, you know, anybody can fight, right? but it takes, it takes a skill to talk to people and deescalate. And when you come in with kindness, which, you know, isn't a word that people associate with policing, but when you come in with kindness and you treat people with respect, never, like I never looked at people like less than me, no matter what their station in life was. And it served me well, because there was more than one time that I ended up in bad situations. And other people that were around, like one time I ended up trying to 
we had a warrant of arrest for somebody who was associated to the Hells Angels. And that was going sideways really, really fast. And one of the drug dealers that happened to be in the crowd knew me because I had dealt with him over something minor, like actually kind of silly. It was just my first year I'd pulled him over for a broken tail or a burnt out tail light. And I gave him a warning and told him to get it fixed and come and show me before the end of my shift. And he looked at me and he goes, you do know who I am, right? And I said, yes, I do. And he goes, and you're not towing my vehicle and giving me a fine. And I said, no, that was never my intention. When I stopped you before I knew who it was, I said, you treated me with respect. So there's no reason for me not to do the same. And after that, anytime I'd run into him, I'd see him at the gym. He'd always say, hi, Tammy. And I'd say, hi. And we both knew who each other was and what each of us did. But there was just that understanding. So this night when everything was going sideways, he actually spoke up and said, nobody touches her. And nobody touched me. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And it's, you know, one way or another, this guy was going to get arrested. It could have been bad for, you know, a few of us, but... Yeah, it just, it ended up going okay. And, you know, it's just a few times different things have come back to help me. Mm-hmm. And it was just from, you know, following, being true to myself, I guess, and following what I would do for anybody else and not being that person that, oh, you're less than me or you're garbage. So I'm going to treat you like garbage. Yeah. And just training people with dignity and respect. And no matter who they were, it always came back to me. And even, we had an old drunk we used to pick up all the time and he always used to want to fight with the guys. And one night I was in the cell area and he was cursing up a storm and he saw me and he turns around and goes, I'm sorry, little girl. And after that, he always called me the little girl. So Aww. if I was on shift and had to go, he, we get a call for him. They'd send me, I'd go and I'd open the door and I say, come on, we got to go. You've got to sleep this one off okay, little girl, he'd say, and then he'd get in the back. And it was funny because every time I picked him up, he'd sing Johnny Cash songs to me all the way back to the station. So yeah, it's just funny. I'm just curious because you keep saying how small you are. How tall are you, if you don't mind saying? Because I mean, a ballet (laughs) dancers are like really petite and tiny. So just curious. (laughs) So I am almost five foot three. Uh, and when I went through training, I, I finished at 117 pounds because I had put on a little bit of muscle. So, yeah, wow. yeah, <laughs> you're, you're a little tiny thing. So, wow. But, but it just shows that whole, like being able to come from a place of compassion versus a place of judgment, you know, mm-hmm. anger, any of those other things, there's only two sides of the coin, love and fear. It all stems from fear of some sort, whatever happened that had them be in those positions and and what if we can actually show people how to be that way and how much of a shift i mean the fact that you got a hell's angel to be like no you don't touch her because she was kind to me i mean that's huge you know because they're so about the respect and like loyalty and you know i i i happen to um I have to say, I don't personally know anybody. I'm like one degree separated from somebody who knows them very well. And, um, but that's what you hear, you know? And it's like, I mean, that's an incredible story, Tammy. Like, wow. Had no idea that this was what was going to come out as one of the stories, the Myronic stories (laughs) on the podcast. 
<laughs> yeah. Oh, there's plenty. There's plenty. Yeah. Well, so, okay. So you were, you, you, I mean, you, you were a police officer for so long. I saw that you moved up to Sergeant, which is incredible. Um, and so what made you decide to, to move out of policing? Oh, that's not a nice story. Um, I was actually involved in an incident in Moncton and, um, we had five officers shot three fatally <gasps> and uh yeah and i took over the team the boys were killed on and uh worked it's with dying. them yeah and 12 days after the shootings i attended the suicide of a friend who was a police officer i had worked with uh, who suffered from ptsd um and then four months later i had another friend commit suicide and yeah, just a, a lot of things. Yeah. yeah. And then it just, it became really heavy on my heart. And then being a female in a little boy's world um, isn't always the easiest either. So I dealt with part of my career. I had dealt with some really bad harassment in the workplace and different things like that. And all of it just added up to it was time to let go. Yeah. And I had gotten hurt and um, with my wrist uh, during an assault. And I wasn't carrying my gun my last three years on the job because of my grip strength was almost nothing in my dominant oh, hands. Yeah. So I was just working in the office and still, you know, working as a police officer, but I had just lost my, my desire. Yeah. And there's, there's other ways to help people without wearing a uniform. So once I came to terms with that, it was time to let go. Absolutely. Absolutely. So then, so then, uh, it said 2016 was when you started this yoga studio. So what was, so did you always have a passion for yoga? Was that something that you were one of your loves? Well, as I was going through university and teaching classical ballet and jazz, I also started teaching fitness. So fitness had always been something that I'd been involved with and taught. I taught my entire career somehow around my scheduling and um, prior to the shootings in Moncton, I was just teaching yoga. I had, um, I had moved into headquarters and I had a Monday to Friday job most of the time. So I taught on the weekends. And then I got to a point after the shootings um, and then working too much and dealing with too much and never admitting I needed help uh, hit a wall. So Mental health is something I speak about often and uh, like to say it's okay not to be okay. And mental wellness is so important um, coming from a career where it's not okay to say you're not okay. Right. <laughs> and so once I hit the wall and I was off, I was off work for five months in 2015 because uh, the shootings took place in June of 2014. And once I was off for those five months, a part of my healing was my home has a complete walkout basement. I'm out of the city in the country on two and a half acres. So I converted my downstairs into a studio space. And I just started teaching in January of 2016, um, word of mouth, because I had, you know, clients that used to come to all my classes when I taught in town. And before I retired, I was up to eight classes a week teaching. Um, I started to offer a class for um, women who had experienced trauma. So it was a trauma specific class for women that I really, really liked. Um, 
unfortunately during COVID, I didn't teach so much. That class was one of the classes that I dropped because you couldn't really do it over Zoom so much. Um, but I was able to just this year, I offered another series of trauma yoga for women. And that was really, really felt good. Wow. That's amazing. And so, um, so now you're, I know you're also a motivational speaker. So yes. I mean, it sounds like you got a lot to motivate people on. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I like talking, like I like sharing what I've been through. Um, I've spoken at a few of our mental health um, the Canadian mental, mental health association. I've done some stuff with them. I've spoken at women empowerment sessions, um, and summits about, you know, standing up for yourself and it's not an easy road. And just when you think all you had to do was say, that's not, a, not okay to talk to me that way. And then you learn sometimes how bad harassment can be in my case in particular, and just what I went through and the things I survived, um, not just from work, but outside of the workplace. And yeah, I just share that and say that, you know, basically, no matter where you are in life, you have a choice to make. Like I, a few of the things that have happened to me, I could have been the person who sat back and I'm a victim and have the victim mentality and stayed in my victim mode and the world owes me a favor. Or I made a choice a long time ago after a series of events, and I just got to a point where I don't want to be a victim. So I just decided that I'd pack that up and leave it at the curb, and it can go out with the garbage, and I'd focus on what else I could do. So I used what I went through and how I did it to help other people overcome. And yeah, so then I got to a point where I wasn't a victim, I was a survivor. But then I didn't like that word anymore about... Three years ago, I was speaking at a women's event and I, and I was sharing and I said, you know what? I don't even like that word anymore because survivor implies I was a victim and I'm not a victim. So I said, I'm just going to tell people that I am thriving instead of any other, you know, titles kind of label us and I didn't want to label anymore. So yeah. I chose I mean, some people talk about being a survivor of domestic violence, being a survivor of things, and, and that's okay. But for me, I decided that I didn't want to be a survivor because that meant I had to have been a victim. So um, a lot of things with this podcast is it's, it's meant to delve into the spiritual side too. You know, we're not just here, like maybe there's bigger things of looking at it. So do you connect to the spiritual side? Is that something oh, that you- Oh, very much. <laughs> Aha, see, that's what brought us together because that's yeah. one of, um, I heard you were mentioning like psychology. Have you ever read any of Dr. Brian Weiss's books? No, I can't say I have. Okay. So he was actually an agnostic psychiatrist who risked his entire career back in the eighties um, to write this first book called many lives, many masters, because he had a patient that starts. So you, it sounds like you had a little recognition. I've heard, I've heard. Yes. You, you would, you would actually love, love this way of how do we move from this victimhood to empowerment because mm -hmm. in this, on a soul level, you discover how you choose everything that happens in your life. So you are not a victim. And it's done in such an interesting way. And it's these books that actually saved my life. I have a crazy story. 
you know, you and I can talk about that more, but any of the listeners who want to hear it, episode one of this podcast, it says discover my Rini and your inner superpower because we all have it. It's whether or not we tap into it. And then I tell the story even more in episode 57 through 59, because Tammy, you may or may not know this, but I somehow spent 24 hours with God on May 10th, 2015. And I know that's a big thing to say. But it was this beautiful omnipresent energy trying to break the box of something so much greater. Um, I didn't I didn't have a near-death experience. I had it was like the Celestine prophecy, if you're familiar with the Celestine prophecy. It was almost like you start trusting your intuition, it raises your frequency. I literally was seeing things that other people weren't seeing. But I have found all these people around the world since the pandemic that has had experiences like this, and that's what this podcast is about is. Maybe there really is this, if um, our, our spiritual and our humanness, when we can look at both and not be as one or the other, you know, same thing with science and spirituality doesn't have to be one or the other. And mm-hmm. like the fact of like what you were sharing about, you know, what your role was, like you, you said on your, on uh, your hand, you could count the amount of altercations over your career of 20 plus years. That just shows like, how unbelievably it was important, how important it was for you to be a police officer, to become a sergeant. And so, um, so in the spiritual realm, is there certain uh, gifts that you connect to in that way? Oh, definitely. Um, for me, intuitiveness is huge. Um, I'm reading people, just being able to know, um, and there's definitely situations that I've been in and been through that. And one of my, one of my famous things that I always say is by the grace of God, go I, because I know there's times where I shouldn't still be here today. Yeah. You know, there's been situations and I still am. And there's just little things like for me, I'm into nature. Like nature is my solace. Um, I can sit outside and I, I just connect with the earth. I connect with the, with mother nature and with the ground. And I, I find that to be the most grounding thing for me is just to be outdoors, be with animals, um, be in my bare feet. It's been a joke with my mother since I've been three, I've been told that I'll go outside and I'll put seeds in my hands and I go over to a bird and I just put my hand out or to a squirrel or a chipmunk and they eat they'll come and sit and they you're like snow white (laughs) I know my (laughs) friends tease me because they'll be like what are you doing you crazy lady or or I pick up bugs and oh you know I'm like oh look at this cool thing and they're like where did you find that why are you holding it (laughs) or stray animals or even responding to things where there's animals and you know, people are like, oh, watch out that dog. And I'll be like, come here, babe. And it comes to me and I'm like, sit and it will sit. And they're like, oh my God, how'd you do that? Wow. It doesn't do it for us. Like, yeah. So I find anything to do with nature and animals. I'm have a real connection with, um, I jokingly, I have a black bear that comes and eats out of my bird feeder where I live right now. And, um, he was here. I say he, but he was here <laughs> about a month ago and he stands at my, at my, big picture window in the front and he just kind of tilts and he was eating. He must've been here for at least 10 minutes. And I just stood at the window, like almost nose to nose, except nothing but a pane of glass. 
and watched him and he'd stop eating and he'd look at me and I put my hand like this in the glass and he put his paw near my hand and I just watched him like I just thought it was amazing and everyone else thinks I'm like absolutely sorry about that that's, that's okay no problem but that you literally are snow freaking white that's <laughs> I just I love animals and I and I jokingly and I say to people like I'm not afraid of wild animals. I'm more afraid of what men do or human beings do than I am of any animal. I said, yeah. if you, you know, animals, for example, all my animals are rescues. Um, you treat an animal with kindness, you feed it, you care for it. They are loyal to the day they die. Like my girl, she would defend me. I know no matter what. You can do the same thing for a human being because I've helped people and you you know, you pour into them and you give and then they'll turn around and take. Well, and that's, that's one of the most powerful things in another book. So Dr. Brian Weiss actually wrote six books. And um, in each book, there's a key piece that the other one doesn't have. And in this other one called Messages from the Masters, he was shown a vision of Earth being a one room schoolhouse and we're all at different grades. And mm. so it's a really beautiful, compassionate way of looking at. So, I mean, if you look at the world right now, it seems like it's a bunch of toddlers with guns. You know, they just don't have the spiritual awareness of how not to be. But because they don't have the awareness, it's not something that you just find easily. But what if they're shown a path to be able to show that awareness or, or compassion? You know, because it really all stems from fear. So I actually have a modality that I created that is brought, it, it, it's like, it seems very like you and I, we're going to have conversations outside of here because it really is how do we move people from this place of victimhood to empowerment, but connecting it on a soul level of understanding, I don't know how, but for some reason, I chose it. I chose mm -hmm. pain. I chose to go through the difficult times because there was a greater reason. And usually that greater reason is because you want to help others. And the only way you can help others is that if you go through it yourself. And so, yes. you, I mean, your, your story is so unbelievably powerful. And now I know why you would be an amazing motivational speaker. Cause like, wow, that's just so incredible. So are you doing your yoga classes live now? Have you ever done anything like on, on like a, a, a video or a zoom kind of yoga, or have you ever thought about doing Both. So yeah. I was doing everything just in studio. And then when um, COVID happened last year or two years ago, my gosh, time flies. Um, and ever, we were locked down where I was and I'm by myself. So that's, you know, me and the animals. And um, so because I had just left policing, I had a good pension and everything else. So what I did for three months was I just kept doing yoga on my Facebook page um, free for three Aww. times a week. And I offered it to anybody who wanted to join. I saved the videos on my Facebook page so that anybody and any, everybody could have access because, you know, it was a hard time for a lot of us. And not only that, for me, it gave me some, some type of normalcy, some type of schedule. Like I taught three days a week at a certain time and it kept me in contact with my people <laughs> And it was, it was kind of cool because I could see where people were joining in from and my Facebook following like grew vastly 
I had people from all across Canada. I had some people from LA. I had a lady in Kentucky that missed practically none of my classes. She was always there. I had a lady from Granada who was tuning into my classes because her friend in LA had sent her my link and it was just, it just started snowballing. So it created a nice community. And then about three months into it, our local soup kitchen, um, they were struggling because there was such more need and a lot less donations because a lot of people that normally wouldn't use the soup kitchen and were supporting it couldn't support it anymore or might even had to have turned to it. So on a Monday night, I just decided after class, I said, next time I teach is going to be by donation. And um, I'm teaching Wednesday night. And that was kind of it. And I put it on my Facebook page that I was going to raise money for the soup kitchen when I taught one hour class Wednesday night. And in one hour, I raised $932. Wow. I know. I was floored. Yeah. In one hour. Yeah. And, you know, to be honest, a lot of my regulars and a lot of the people were just very generous, you know, and they said, Tammy, if, you know, if I had been paying to come to your classes, it would have cost me, you know, X amount of dollars. So here's 50, you know, a few of them, they were a place to give. So they gave and it just, it created a nice little karma that kept going. And then I did another one and we donated to um, an animal shelter. I did some other stuff and we donated it to the Muir McQueen Ferguson foundation. And that's for domestic violence. Like it just, just kept picking different things and doing different things. And it, oh, it was really beautiful. cool. Yeah. That, it just I, kept it, the engagement. Well, you know, you paid it forward by not, by doing it for free. And then, then you're like, look, I'm just asking for, for donations because this can help others, you know, and that's, when we can look at money as a tool and, and one mm-hmm. of the most powerful messages I was ever given was like, all money is God's money. All debt is God's debt too. You know, just understand sometimes you may be in a position because maybe you aren't meant to move forward. Maybe you're, you're meant to find someone because that's the whole concept with myrony. So myrony are the crazy coincidences that happen in life that we can't explain, but it's a more modern day word for synchronicity. But it's actually synchronicity in motion. You see a sign, there's an action. You have a gut feeling, there's an action. In most cases, it's to connect to people because that's what it's about. It's not about things or what's happening. It's, it's like, how do you create this synergy to keep moving forward and, and, and keep, keep this wheel moving forward, but get the momentum more and more and more by you're getting people all kind of on a, a, a more straight path to, you know, bringing this greater awareness. So uh, now I know why I was told like, like, you know, like time to connect. (laughs) And it wasn't easy, but we made it happen. No, it wasn't. It was not easy. And I apologize for that because I literally was taken out by a chair at work that I was, I just took a job as a server while I've been trying to build my company with Myrony. And it was the craziest thing that it like literally the this chair did a split was pushing into me. So, you know, it's for the listeners, the craziest things can happen, but maybe it's for a greater reason. Like I knew Mm -hmm. it wasn't something to, it could have really, really taken me out in a bad way mentally because I had fibromyalgia since I was 18 years old. 
I actually even had a nerve problem called reflex sympathetic dystrophy um, after I, I was going through some really difficult times. And it was almost like my body just gave out. I was running on a treadmill. I hit my heel wrong. And if you it reflex sympathetic dystrophy, it affects your extremities. And um, mine happened to be my left foot. And it felt like somebody was cutting or burning me all the time. It was the most severe pain. I was in a walking boot for nine months. That's another whole story. But this accident, because it's actually pressing on a nerve. So I'm feeling the nerve pain. I can't bend. I can't do anything. But it was almost like I was prepared for this moment to just keep moving forward and just be like, okay, you can push through this. There's mm -hmm. greater work that needs to be done. And, and I... I feel like there's, there's a lot of um, just the people, you know, meeting where we can look at the pandemic. Yes, we can look at it as blessings or burdens. And, you know, one of the biggest blessings is how we met everyone on a global level, because mm -hmm. otherwise we would have just stayed in this closed circle, right? We wouldn't have been doing Zooms. Like maybe eventually it would have happened, but we had to, we had to be able to pivot. We had to figure out, you know, we, we need to be able to connect with people. Well, how do we do that? But that's the power. I mean, I look forward to when we can actually get together. And because I know you do retreats and things like that. And that's amazing. But the fact of like the global reach that we're able to make in such an impactful way. And what if everybody, we start coming together and being like, okay, here's, here's where my expertise is. Well, oh, I know this person, but it's of this um, incredible alignment. So there's actually someone, and I'm just going to throw it out there because that's what I do. His name is Jonathan Galui. He's working. He actually is a former police officer. He actually got oh. really, really, um, there's an interesting situation that happened internally but he is creating like almost like reforming the police department with it's called blue guardian. And he wants mm -hmm. to show police officers how to come from this place of compassion. So I'm like, mm -hmm. Ooh, Tammy and Jonathan, I need to have you, you know, connect you two. <laughs> Definitely. You know, Definitely. If we can get people to come from a place of compassion versus a place of judgment, it would make such a shift. Mm -hmm. If we could cut people to, yeah. And they are not victims, such a shift, you know, and it's like, mm -hmm. there's many, many different ways of getting there. We just have to exactly. help show people how to get there. So, yeah. So well, I know. Back it's, no, it's just, it's, of, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, it's okay. I was going to say last year when ever, was it a year or almost two years ago when everything took place in the States with George Floyd, I was speaking verbally or, um, virtually at a conference in Arkansas and I was on a panel and um, my bio, I had just retired from policing. I was also the only white person on our panel. The other people were of color. And um, it was interesting, the questions that I got asked because all these things were happening down there. And for me, I said, you know, I have to preface it with the fact that I was brought up, you know, with my, my parents and I don't see the, the color. I don't see, you know, so I, I struggle with what's going on um, that I've seen some of it in my career, but where I am in Canada and a few of the places that I've been across Canada, 
I haven't really experienced a lot of it. And again, you know, I am, I am white. Um, so again, I see things different, but I was never brought up to know, like to see anybody differently other than I just always used to say the only difference between skin color and hair color is you can't change it. Like, you know, your hair, you can be any color you want. Right. And, and so when I was being asked questions, when I was on this panel, I said, you know, like, I don't know what to say, because to me, what happened is just unbelievable. Um, an officer, in my opinion, he should never have been wearing a uniform, especially with what came up. And I said, you know, I can't even understand on any level how that could happen. And, you know, it's just really interesting to be put in that place and be asked so many different questions about the policing and about what happened and about the color. And, and I was like, you know, I'm just, I'm not in that world, like where I live and what I've the way I was brought up and everything like, you know, and I said to me, the hardest part about all of this movement with Black Lives Matter and everything is that, you know, the lady that invited me to speak at this conference, I said, you know, if you ask me to describe her, I would tell you that she's a preacher's wife. You know, she has children. She has the biggest laugh in the world. Like I would tell you all these things about, about her, but I would never tell you that she is black. And I said, I'm struggling with that because I never described my friends as, oh, that is my black friend. That right. is my Hispanic friend. That is my gay friend. Like, no, my friends are my friends. You know, this one's funny. This one has a crazy sense of humor. Like I talk about people by their qualities, not by what I visually see. So yeah, for me, it was a bit of a struggle. Um, and not saying I've never saw some of that on my own job, especially, you know, with some officers but again being on the east coast of Canada is very different than being down in the southern states uh, or at least I love to think it is um yeah I'm is. gonna I'm gonna bet it is I, I I lived in Baltimore for a while that you know it's uh DC areas that the crime rates are so so high and it's just it's so sad but it is true like what um you know, if, if you have a fear of the police mm -hmm. from a young age and looking at that, again, that fear and looking at judgment, but what if we are able to shift that way of looking at actually they're here truly to protect, they're not here to hurt, but then people get into the police force or other things and you're just like, okay, they want the power. They mm -hmm. want control. Okay, now this is scary because now it's just, yeah. Mm -hmm. So we we have to make shifts on so many different levels of awareness. And so it's uh, it's amazing what you what you were able to accomplish in the police force, but now being able to have that background and share your story now and be a yogi at the same time. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'm... Yeah, I'm on total ends of the spectrum, you know, because I'm also a vegetarian. So it's like, you know, people laughed at me at work because, you know, if anybody brought a lunch and you put it down, it was never safe. Mine was always safe because the boys <laughs> are like, like, what the heck is in that? Well, tofu or lentils or whatever. And they're like, yeah, okay. So my lunch was always safe. <laughs> That's so funny. But I love the fact that you were able to see both sides of the spectrum because so many people aren't. 
You know, it's, no. it's interesting because, um, I'm only sharing this it, again. It has nothing to do with color. Um, it was more the fact, I mean, I was brought up in a predominantly white town where, you know, there was a couple, a couple families of different ethnicities, but it wasn't Same. any big deal. It was, you know, it, it was, it was, I mean, it's like you said, you just can't change it. What difference does it make? And exactly. it was funny because, um, uh, I actually shared this in episode two and three of this podcast, but I was, so I have a very strong gift of claircognizance, the gift of knowing I do things and I have no idea why I do it. It's a really, it's a really fun gift that you just like, Oh, but then it makes sense. So I was guided to work with this guy who was almost 80 years old. Why was I going to work with an 80 year old? I had my um, license as a, as a life insurance agent and it was to work in these predominantly black churches. Now I was like, what the heck am I doing? And like in inner cities, like Oakland here is there's nice part of Oakland, California. And then there's like, oof, I mean, scary parts of Oakland. And I'm just like, what am I doing? Well, it wasn't about the the color. It was more about being able to experience something so completely different It actually was to get over my judgment of religion. I'll be the first one to admit I had to be humbled by that because, Mm -hmm. you know, I was being shown all these different things that actually allowed me to get over my fear of speaking in public. So God had a lot of agendas for me on this one, but it was so interesting because I got to see a culture. I got to uh, some of my best friends are now that I never would have even economically never been put in that. And it's just like, people are people. And if we give respect to everyone, no matter Mm -hmm. what, even when they're not giving respect to us, but give them respect, usually they're not giving respect because there's some much deeper fear. And you just shared that so beautifully with the story with the hell's angel guy. You know, mm-hmm. then you want to think, well, how the heck did you get involved in that? Because we know, you know, the deeper side of that. Well, we won't we won't open that door right now. <laughs> we don't need to open Pandora's box on that one. <laughs> but I just I love. Oh, my goodness. I'm so happy that I got to hear your story and that the world gets to hear your story, because that's the fun part of podcasts. You never know how people find you. And, you know, and so. On that note, how can people connect with you, do your yoga classes or hear you as a motivational speaker? Like what's the best way for them to connect with you? Oh, so the easiest way is I have everything branded the same. So TLW yoga is my Facebook page and my Instagram page. I also have a Gmail account, tlwyoga at gmail.com. I have a website, tlwyoga.com. CA. And then I have uh, a website for public speaking. It's just very simple. Tammy Ward speaks.com. Uh, <laughs> Nothing well, fancy, but easy. Because uh, I want I want people to be able to connect with me and and make it simple and approachable. And, you know, that's something that's important to me is that people find me approachable. Because one of my gifts, I guess, that we were talking about it is I can talk with anybody regardless of what status on the economic, what color, what gender, what, who they love or don't love. Like 
I don't care. Like I can connect with people on, on any level. And that's so important to me. And even when I teach yoga, I always say, say to people that, you know, I'll meet you where you're at. You don't have to be anything. You don't have to wear fancy clothes. You don't have to, you know, I have three rules for my yoga studio. Everyone is kind. Everybody eats and you don't have to wear a certain brand to come to my studio. And I just, you know, I make a joke of it. And I say, you know, to me, it matters more who you are when you step off your mat and you go back into the world than what you can do on your mat in terms of your flexibility or, you know, some of the tricks or any of the things that people, you know, have seen in mainstream media. And I like to tell people that yoga is for everybody and literally every body. Uh, it's not just for skinny white girls, which, you know, is what we see in the media. It's right. for everybody. And, and what yoga really, really is about isn't about all the postures and the tricks and all of those things. It's about being able to connect your mind and body and to prepare yourself to sit in stillness. Yes. That is the whole reason. And yoga for me was one of my healing, you know, on my personal journey after, you know, the losing the loss of my friends and the shootings and, you know, my mental health and just that was for me so important was just to try to connect with myself because I literally felt like I didn't feel anything anymore. Yeah. And yeah. just to when learn you feel how that, to... when you feel that numbness because you've had so much loss or whatever. And it's like, what is it that's going to gain that back? And I love that about yoga. It's funny because I wasn't into yoga for a very long period of time. I happen to like vinyasa. I like vinyasa because yeah. it's a faster flow and that mind body connection. And then, you know, at the end doing Shavasana and whatnot, it's like, okay, now I can get into, but yeah, I, I'll have to get into the more, the, the deeper, uh, like Hatha yoga and, and that, but I just, I will admit I'm a little like, okay, come on, let's move this. <laughs> but that's okay. Like everyone has a different need. I always tell people though, that sometimes we're drawn to the things that we're comfortable with, but not the things that we need. So some people are like, Oh, I need like a hot workout, athletic, rah, 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 yoga class. And I'm like, no, that's exactly what you, when you're type a, you know, overachiever personality don't need because you're always go, go, go and running and you're working out in the gym. You need the exact opposite. Like you need to go to a restorative class and like reconnect yeah. with the ground or go to a yin class and just tame it all down and get a stretch. So yeah, that's no, one of I the agree. things I talk about. Yeah. It's, is it's having, it's having that balance and it's very, it's very important to have that balance. So, well, I hope to be able to do one of your yoga classes in the future. Yes. It sounds amazing. And I do believe um, we were definitely brought together. So with this is Winky behind me, that's how I represent God is love <laughs> with an awesome sense of humor. And um, it's just been such an honor and pleasure, Tammy. Thank you so Aww. much. And, and I encourage all the listeners, let's, let's go jump on a yoga class. And because boy, you've got, you got a lot to teach us, Tammy. So again, this has just been so wonderful. So thank you for just uh, being like on the fly. Like what we talked on Tuesday. Yesterday. Now. <laughs> oh my God, it was freaking yesterday. Yes. So it was June 28th. It's June 29th today and your episode is not coming out this Saturday. It's coming out the following Saturday. So we, Perfect. you know, and that's the action that we're talking about. And I just encourage the listeners, 
like how many times could you have that conversation with somebody? Just, just engage, just mm-hmm. actually take a risk and see, well, well what is it? And usually you're going to get some kind of intuitive pull. You're going to get this gut feeling like, oh, I should really talk to this person. We'll do it. <laughs> exactly. And, yeah. and look at it, not like, oh, what's in it for me, but what, you know, like I love, I love to share. I love to connect. I love to learn. So sometimes when I connect with people, it has nothing to do with me. There's absolutely nothing in it for me, but I have the opportunity to learn or just to connect with a beautiful human being and be, you know, in their presence or, you know, like some of my best friends I've in the last two years, I've never physically been in the same room with. Yeah, I know. I, I feel the same way. I have so many around the world now and it's just such a beautiful thing. Well, I now I'm going to consider you a friend. I know there's much, Perfect. much more we're meant to do together to really oh, try to help bring this awareness and, and help however we can, because we both have been in these very, very deep depths of despair. My, I, I, I you know, I was suicidal. I've dealt with a lot of things and it doesn't mean that our lives are the worst. It's just that we were there. And that one of the things is it doesn't matter where you're at. If you're in that space and you're able to pull yourself out, but the biggest thing is how do you pull other people out? And Mm -hmm. that's, that's become my greatest mission. I actually lost my nephew to suicide at 14 years old and back in the fall of 2020. And, And so it became one of my missions to share this awareness of how maybe where does that even come from, but from a spiritual perspective. And that was actually shared in one of Dr. Weiss's books also. But uh, anyway, thank you again, Tammy. This has just been so incredible. Um, I'm your story. Wow. Mm, Getting the hell's angel to have compassion. That was amazing. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't mean, I mean, I'm being a little flippant there, but really like, it really does come down to that. If you show compassion, others will show compassion too. Exactly. You know, even if they don't even understand it, at least they had that, you know, that awareness. And then who knows what ripple effect that could create. Exactly. Yeah. So, well, thanks again, Tammy and to the listeners. I'll see you next time. Thank you all for joining me on that's my podcast. I hope you enjoyed the Myronic stories shared today and possibly got you to connect to the Myronies in your own life. As you listen to this podcast, you'll start catching signs that are so subtle but can have the biggest impact on your life. So pay attention to that inner voice and watch the Myronies appear in your life just like the guest in my next episode. And please connect with me on Instagram, Facebook, and that's myrony.com where you can share your unbelievable myronies. Also, if you enjoyed what you heard and can take a moment to like, comment, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting platform, it would mean so much because that is how others are able to find this podcast. Finally, please also tell your friends and family about Myrony because wouldn't it be fun to see people share their myronies on social media in addition to their selfies? And remember, If something happens that makes you say, well, that's ironic. It's not ironic at all. It's Myronic. Now that's Myrony. See you next time.